I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. And we're all out of birth control. And um, I guess we're out of both those things. We can't blame Trump for this. Yes, we can. <laughs> this is Red All Over, your graceful alias Grace recap. Let me in. Woo! Episode two, Episode baby. Episode two. First is the worst. Second is the best. Third, Third is, is the, the one, one with, with the, the hairy chest. chest. Nice. Fuck nice. your treasure chest. Nice. There's no free lunches, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We're back. We are busy. For more Alias Grace. Potentially, you are listening to these super duper close together. <laughs> because this is our first time doing a Netflix dump. Yeah. So and we're, we're trying it out. So let us know what you think. Yeah. In the form of a five-star review on the iTunes store. Oh, see what you did there? <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. So we start out in the usual fashion with a poem. And this poem comes from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And it is an excerpt from his super long poem, The Courtship of Miles Standish. And it begins, uh, the quote that we use for this episode begins, For it is the fate of a woman... Long to be patient and silent, to wait like a ghost that is speechless, till some questioning voice dissolves the spell of its silence. Ugh. Boo. Boo. Dislike button. <laughs> <laughs> He's, Wadsworth Longfellow is basically like the guy that's like, girl, you don't know you're beautiful. Let me tell you you're beautiful. Girl, you're prettier when you don't wear makeup. <laughs> Gross. So he was the Drake of the 19th century? Uh, you mean or potential it- Handmaid's Tale season two guest star Drake? Oh, shit, I forgot. <laughs> Let's not oh. speak ill of the Drake, please. You know I try not to pray for like specific stuff. <laughs> but that, that's a prayer we're saying. That would be a gift to women. A gift to women, a gift to Margaret Atwood, mm-hmm. who is a woman, yes, but she's like our favorite woman. Right. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> Margaret Atwood's my favorite. You should have tried to be Canada's foremost speculative fiction author. She did try, but it just never really Aww. got off the ground. Just kidding. Poor Mama Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously that quote is like, get it? Simon's trying to do that to her. <laughs> you know what? Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say about poems. The only thing... <laughs> Poems. A poem. The only thing a poem is good for oh, is boy. this kind of crap. Where like it's an epigram before oh. a better piece of art. I like that. Or on a gravestone where no one has to read it all the time. <laughs> oh. Anyway, I hope none of my friends who are poets are listening. Friends who are poets, we're not talking about your poems. Yeah, your poems are great. Your poems are nice and we don't hate them. Okay, here's where we really get to the bottom of how Dr. Jordan is neither a good doctor nor a good man, because he is dreaming a sexy dream about Grace. Now, granted, they are both fully clothed, but I think that's more about the social mores of the time. Uh, Yeah, it would be going from like zero to a hundred to be like, and now I'm fingering her. I feel like... He has never seen a naked woman. Like, I just think he doesn't even know. Like, he, even, like, in anatomy class, like, he, the, the female model, like, the female skeleton, like, has clothes has on. A skirt on. He's like, you know, in my... Well, how else would they know it was the woman's? Right. It has a little bow. 
Yeah, I read the excerpt from his diary where he was like, in my study of women, I found their boobs to be like bags of sand. When was this? No, it's not true. Oh, okay. I was like, did this happen? It's a 40-year-old virgin joke. Um, Oh, I'm so sorry. Someone will like that. Okay, great. I think I only saw that movie one time. It's worth a rewatch. All right, cool. I believe you. So Simon's a fuckboy. Total fuckboy. He's already projecting his desires for wanting to know Grace intimately (laughs) onto onto her and he started out wanting to know just her mind and now he's like wants it all yeah he wants the whole grace package oh i need a shower uh however this is interrupted by his landlady who we didn't even talk about (laughs) one of my favorite characters in episode one uh the reverend is walking dr jordan back to his like apartment or whatever that he's staying in Mm -hmm. he's like rented a room in toronto he basically got an airbnb at this person's house Yeah, so he's airbnb Mm -hmm. and her name is mrs humphrey Mm -hmm. and like when he gets there she comes with her she's like i made you like she's thirsty lamborghini mercy she made the tea but she's the thirsty one you know what i'm saying (laughs) so she comes in with yet more tea oh god why do bitches always bring tea because it's delicious (laughs) uh she straight up faints immediately great move immediately faint great first move uh, if your first move can't be a marguerite and ever after like stick your tongue out for the chocolate yeah second best first move is to faint into someone's <laughs> arms um listen it's very important that at this time i let you know mm-hmm. that i scoured the imdb page for this show and the actress who plays mrs humphreys is a scorpio oh shut your oh <laughs> You know what, Kelly? I was counting my lucky stars. We it's made it my through <laughs> month. We made it through all episode one with nary a Scorpio reference, and I misguidedly girl, girl girls because I knew I had such a good one coming for episode two. Oh, God, I have been. I have been. Do you know? I wrote this on Monday of last week. Jesus. It is now Tuesday of this week. I have had to sit on this information because I wanted to shock and dismay you. And you know what? I just want to give a quick shout out to all of the redhead fans who think it's funny to bait me by being <laughs> by being Scorpios because I feel like that's the only reason you would mention you're a Scorpio. I see you and I'm mad about it. So mission accomplished, you assholes. We know. Get it? Get it? Look, she's our queen. Okay. Well, I do like this lady because I like how overtly thirsty she is and how she goes out of her way to get to him. I wrote Hoverhand next to her name. And so I think there's a time when he puts his like arm around her. She puts her hand close to him, but like does the very awkward like... (laughs) covers her hand. She, she's also never seen a naked man yeah <laughs> so they're perfect for each other perfect and they really are well, in terms of she projects upon him this very like learned gentle man and he's projecting on grace this like sort of stallion that he can break mm-hmm. with his man powers so they're both projecting a male fantasy <laughs> onto something because she's wanting him to be the male that she's fantasizing on Mrs. Humphreys is. Mrs. Humphreys Okay. Is, yeah. Not Grace. Grace and he is like, wants Grace to be a stallion. Yeah. Even though a stallion is a boy horse. <sighs> I'm just checking your facts here. Lord, I just mean he wants to tame her. He wants to understand like, her so much. Like, I get so that much. gender's a spectrum, but I'm not sure it applies to horse horses. Horse gender doesn't count. 
God, Kelly, you're so not woke. Way to alienate the trans horse community. <laughs> okay, trans horses, I'm sorry. <laughs> you've written me multiple letters, and they all just said, mm, but <laughs> I just misinterpreted it. Well, now you've it. pissed off the centaurs. Oh, boy. Don't even get me started on the satyrs. Oh, boy. We are excited to be here. But Miss Humphreys <laughs> starts to use her wiles and mentions that her husband has ran out another ineffectual male in this book and kind of left her really high and dry and so simon sort of assumes the role of caretaker on her yeah he says so he's taken off she has no money all her servants left on account of the no money Mm -hmm. because when you can't pay people they leave so he's like i'll advance you two months rent would that help and i'm like bro I, I know where you're going because I've been there myself. This doesn't end well for anyone. Uh, but ineffectual male, you said. Yes. Uh, have we talked ever about the Eichler theory or no. the Eichler principle? Proceed. It's something that Amy Schneider made up. Oh. And I think she wrote about it on the internet somewhere. Yeah. But anyway, but basically it's a theory that she came up with from watching Daria, mm. which is... I mean, and really, like, I think it was, like, from an interview with Glenn Eichler, who was, like, the showrunner on Daria, and he was, like, in order to have a show where women are at the forefront and where women are the main characters, the male characters have to be ineffectual, because if they're not, the audience is going Uh, to, like, latch onto them and, like, project onto them. Interesting. Yeah. It makes sense when you think about yeah. cinema. And I mean, like you and I were just talking today about Christmas movies and there's like five Christmas movies with a female protagonist mm-hmm. and that's it. And yeah. that's a damn shame because Christmas is for everyone. Yeah. That was the, well, I mean, it's for Christians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Christmas uh, doesn't have a gender. That's interesting. Unlike horses. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that is true. I don't want it to be true. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. However, I do believe that it is true. Fair enough. I think if you look at this show and who have we met so far, we've met this reverend who's like this old and firm dude. Mm. He can't achieve his own goal, which mm. is to get Grace sprung from prison. Simon can't achieve his goal, which mm-hmm. is to get Grace to say things about vegetables <laughs> that right. he wants. And to bed him. Uh, yeah, and to get sprung on her. Mm-hmm. And uh, have we met any other? Well, Grace's dad is super yeah, ineffectual. really can't do anything. At everything yeah. but being abusive. That's so interesting. Wow, that is in full effect then here. Yeah. But then at the same time, though, if you look at things that are like male-oriented, like when you hear people talk about like strong female characters and, you know, the flip of that is the sort of ornamental love, and like i.e. Monica Potter and Con Air. For example, all the women in the Kingsman. Yeah. I mean, like in these movies where like women are props. Right. This is just the reverse of that. Right. And I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever find a happy medium. I know. But I'm honestly, I'm here for all of these like males are just set dressing. No, because I mean, I don't. I feel about males at this point. (laughs) You know, I get it. I, I know all the tricks that you do, like <laughs> fiction-wise. Which is why we're not covering the deuce. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we weren't covering the deuce because James Franco sucks. He is the epitome of male suckage <laughs> to me. When I used to have a humor journal online, we had a segment for a long time called uh, Ask Nana Franco. 
And it was James Franco's grandmother. Oh. I mean, it was not really her. I know. It was me. Yes. Um, thank you she... for pulling aside that very complicated <laughs> comedy curtain for me. Thanks. I wasn't saying it for your benefit. The people listening might think I'm very well connected. We have a podcast on the internet. That's true. We're very important. That's a funny concept for a blog, though. What? Oh, I was like, what, us having a successful podcast? (laughs) Wouldn't that be hilarious? (laughs) How funny would that be? Anyway, that was a good time. She loved him so much. I'm sure she did. And I'm I'm about 98% joking (laughs) with my dislike for the Frankfurter. I don't think Uh, he's terrible. He keeps being like, oh, I'm gay, except what if I'm not? (laughs) It's obnoxious. So we get to, speaking of fuckboys, we get to <laughs> Simon interviewing her again. And this time he's pulling a move this, that this I... This is going to be a recurring theme, by the way. Yeah. He pulls a move that I used to do a lot in middle school, where he kind of wants to talk about his dream. So he asks her about hers, hoping that if he asks her about dreams, it'll spur something interesting in her. Uh, very much like I used to do to Taylor Buckaloo in third grade when I would be, or in, in middle school when I'd be like, <laughs> did you ever, I had such a weird dream. Like we were dating. That would be weird, right? <laughs> you are so much ballsier than right? me. You're so like, much ballsier I was than just me. I never would have said that. Disgusting, bold, horny beast that was like, maybe did you work? And no, it, it, like, spoiler, I, it I would have like a kissing dream and then I would just like skulk <laughs> like in the cloakroom and I'd be like does he know does he can he tell <laughs> sometimes being a young girl is just this sound like <laughs> redheads uh, like a young trans horse in heat <laughs> so yeah so she kind of obliges a little because she says that she can't really remember her dreams but we do get flashbacks to like Mary Whitney woo best um, character ever oh my god and the actress that plays her i even remember her name rebecca liddell um <laughs> i don't know why the air horn is a little like slow like not just even from me pulling it up slow but just it's sticky do you want me to re-say her name? no <laughs> we're just gonna roll with it. okay so uh mary whitney's got jokes mm-hmm. oh she got jokes on jokes on Ooh. jokes people so grace's life she has gotten a position working for mrs alderman parkinson mm-hmm. which weirdly because i listened to the audiobook i did not read the book mm-hmm. so i didn't understand that he was an alderman like mm-hmm. that was his like position the husband oh is that not a hyphenated name what's an alderman an alderman is like a local councilman <laughs> so i believe that's what's going on there i thought she had like a really like hippy dippy hyphenated no 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 Although that would have been pretty common. This is, well, it's pre-Gilded Age. Anyway, it happened. Okay. People would, like, highfalutin people would sometimes hyphenate their names. Okay, but anyway, he's a councilman. So, um, notable, the woman playing Mrs. Alderman Parkinson is Martha Burns, who also starred in Slings and Arrows with Paul Gross, who shows up later as Mr. Kinnear. Mm. This is one of the greatest shows of all time. <laughs> it has uh, Mark McKinney is one of the co-creators from Kids in the Hall, and it's a oh. fictionalized depiction of basically the Stratford Festival okay. in Ontario. Uh, it's right outside, like I think, London, Ontario. It's in Stratford is okay. the name of the town. It's great. 
You should watch it. Okay. There's only three seasons. Great. It's phenomenal. Awesome. And I was just really happy to see that she's still getting work. So, you know, she's like, okay, whatever. You work here now. Great. Mary Whitney, like, show her the ropes. She's so funny. But what I think we should pay attention to is that between women, particularly women who are friendly, and I think this checks out for our friendship as well, is uh, there's a lot of casual killing talk. Oh, like who you would kill? Goes on. But she she says something like, oh, God, I'd kill that person. But like in a jokey way. Oh, yeah. Listen, nobody ever means they want to kill somebody. Yeah, like, until, they, until do. they do. Yeah. Well, but then, you know, uh, whoopsie. Yeah. So I think what this is trying to get us to realize is that all of us, if you strung out all of our dialogue had some violent things to say and think we just aren't persecuted from because we never acted on any well, of them. Well, and you know, actually, this will become very clear to you, like, if you're ever around somebody who's had a death recently mm-hmm. in their life, but, like, it's far enough away that, like, people and things are starting to slip back into sort of normal patterns, you'll, like, catch yourself being like, I'm going to kill you, and then you're like, oh, somebody recently died. And Grace says it frequently, it was just a way of talking, sir. Yeah. And she always calls him sir. Mm -hmm. She's very, she's always so proper and polite. Mm -hmm. She just, she knows all of like the social graces to hit. Uh, uh, get it, get it. (laughs) So is this where, is this where Mary Whitney talks about the rebellion? Because I straight up did not do a good job of taking notes on that. Great. Um, I did. Awesome. Perfect. She talks about the rebellion and about like her kind of folk hero, uh, William Lyon McKenzie. Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> like, did he end up being the first mayor of Toronto? Yes. <laughs> yes, he did. But no one knows if he had a car. <laughs> so if you are a Canadian did redhead. Did he put up a fight? Yes, he did. In the typist <laughs> riots. Uh, not really, though. If you're a Canadian redhead, I'm sure you're like, this is fourth grade bullshit. Get me out of here. Uh, we had to go on a dumb field trip to see that tavern. Like, yeah, let's get through it. Sorry, guys. So we'll be quick. So for the American and other redheads, we did a quick little dive into the history of William Lyme McKenzie. So he's like a journalist and politician from like the 1800s, uh, Canada, obviously. He founded a paper called The Colonial Advocate, and he used this paper to be very verbal in his uh, attack on Tory politicians, which... Tory politicians would be politicians who are loyal to the crown. Sure. Loyal to Britain. Yeah, I believe that's correct. It is correct. Okay, I trust you. (laughs) So he he has remember in the American Revolution it was the Tories and the Patriots and okay the Tories were the loyalists to England sure okay <laughs> I believe you did you not read Felicity Merriman <sighs> no I didn't read <gasps> Felicity Merriman okay I went to Washington D.C. I had an experience and then I kind of forgot everything kind of not really Revolutionary <laughs> War is like my faves but I just I've drank most of it away okay. anyway All right. okay. <sighs> Much like William Lyon McKenzie, <laughs> in that he ended up not having enough funds to keep the advocate going after he like made all these jokes and said mean things about the Tories. So he ends up fleeing Canada and going to New York. And while he's gone, something happened called the Types Riot, which is where Tories dressed up like Indians, hello Boston Tea Party, 
problematic. Yeah. Look, I'm not here to say it's not problematic. I'm just making historical connections. Also, I think in Canada, I think they're called First Nations. Well, on Wikipedia, it said Indians. <gasps> Wikipedia is wicked. Uh, I think it was it was quoting from a historical document Wouldn't that said so Indians. Wouldn't it be so cute if on Halloween it was Wikipedia? That is a great thing. And it, but no, I want it to be Wikipedia and just talk about the musical Wicked. Listen, I support all of this. Great. So anyway, so William Lyon McKenzie is out of the country. Tories come and like throw his printing press into Lake Ontario, start a big thing. So William Lyon McKenzie comes back, like squashes this riot and launches a huge civil rights trial against them saying Mm -hmm. they can't destroy my voice like this, blah, blah, blah. He wins and it sets a great precedent of like a little guy launching a huge civil rights case and winning. And it plants the seed of rebellion in the people of Canada. Long story short, he ends up becoming the first mayor of Toronto. And his grandson, William Lyon Mackenzie King, becomes Canada's prime minister, Canada's longest serving prime minister, and had two dogs named Pat who allegedly told him what to do. (laughs) What? Yeah. Margaret Atwood, when she was asked why she wrote alias grace she'd said a lot of like interesting things like uh, why do people give salacious details about women blah, blah blah but the last thing she said was like also isn't it weird that prime minister william lyon mckenzie is descended from uh william lyon mckenzie the senior and also had two dogs he thought were inhabited by ghosts who told him things not making it up i have not since you said that, <laughs> closed my mouth. I have been sitting here agape. It's true. That is horrifying. It on is horrifying. So many let's see. Let's break it down. It's horrifying that he has two dogs that look exactly alike that he gave the same name. <laughs> Can you even tell them apart? He just calls Pat and hopes something comes to him. Is his wife named Pat? It better also? not be. Did he name all his kids Pat? George Foreman stuff? Exactly. And then he believed that the ghosts of his grandmother and mother were at different times using these dogs as like conduits to tell him things. So very interesting. So was he a good prime minister though? Like, um, I think. I'm getting the impression kind of not. That's He's your, in that's your uh, old timey spiritualism for you, Ma. Yeah, well, not really, because he was president during 1933 through 1948, prime minister. So he's like fairly modern, but a little like. <laughs> <laughs> All this is to say, the person that Mary Whitney is a fan of is William Lyon Mackenzie, sort of this rebel journalist guy he's a rebel with a cause exactly and her family's farm was lost in the rebellion yeah so she you know she believes that you know the the north will rise again right and that the people (laughs) of canada will gain their independence and hey guess what surprise mary whitney now you have a prime minister that looks like prince eric and well, they're not. Mary Whitney would love Justin Trudeau. Although I guess they aren't independent, independent, aren't they? Who cares? They're still subject to the crown. Who cares if you got dead ass? <laughs> Sorry. I mean, personal, he's a very interesting politician. Let's have, let's have a debate club about personal liberty v. dead ass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Exhibit A. So dead ass. <laughs> the defense rests. <laughs> when she's done talking about how inspired she is by the Mackenzie bit. She talks about the kind of life that she she wants. And she wants a house of her own. She wants a husband who is nice. 
She has named her pets already, which I identify with. (laughs) And basically, Mary Whitney's Pinterest board is all dairy cows. Basically. Oh my God. She does soups, wants some dairy cows. Oh my God. She wants some dairy cows hardcore. And I respect that. So she's just there all day pinning pictures of dairy cows. And her friends are like, stop. And she is just like effervescent. She's wonderful. I mean, it's just like, and, and Grace tells Dr. Jordan as she gets into this, she's like, this is the beginning of the happiest time of my life. And you can see, like, she had somebody who was close. Like, her mother couldn't do much for her because she was always having babies. And Grace had to help her with that. But, like, she's learning about fun. Like, I forget when she says this, but Mary Whitney just goes, let's go to bed and make fun of people. Which is what I wanted the name of this podcast to be. (laughs) I know. I was going to say, if it wasn't called No Spitting, No Talking. Let's go to bed and make fun of people. Because that is, honestly, I think what is lovely about this is that female friendship is the most precious natural resource. (laughs) I think, like, we can all remember that feeling of finding a girlfriend who you were like, oh, she gets it. (laughs) And that's how I feel like when you and I text ad Mm -hmm. nauseum about... Uh, little house in the prairie or this like very heated sleeping beauty conversation we just had or whether santa claus is real oh he is he is definitely not real but it's just like (laughs) if you get one thing from this episode is hold your girlfriends tight because they're a life force they're so important are like do dudes do this I'm sure they must because, like, you know, dudes have that whole, like, band of brothers dynamic, maybe. It's like, ah, we get through tough stuff. Yeah, but it's like, do you have to be in a war to do it? Yeah, I don't really know. I think it depends. What are dudes? I don't understand their life. What? What's your deal? (laughs) Are you robots? (laughs) Anyway, hold your girlfriends close because they're important. So we get a very important thing that happens, which is they've got some apples. Okay. Mary Whitney's like, I you peel the apple in yeah. one long strip. Mm-hmm. And then once you have your strip, you throw it behind you. And then the shape of whatever letter it makes is the person you're going to marry. So this is like standard old wives thing. Did you ever do anything like this? I would do with an apple. You twist the stem oh. and say the alphabet. And then also when it's it weird that as a child, you're like finding out who you're going to marry from an apple. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, we would do, you know, the he loves me, he loves me not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... That or like, you know, when you like try to figure out the gender of a baby by like dangling Uh a spoon in front of it or, you know, all kinds of stuff. So Grace does hers and she Mm -hmm. flings it behind her and it's a J. So we're like, okay, Grace is going to marry somebody that begins with a J. Mm -hmm. Dope. Joe Jonas? Yes, definitely. He's marrying Sansa. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. At press time. Yes. Good for her. I know. Way good for her. And good for him, too. Anyway. Yeah. And I'm like weirdly happy that the girl who played Egret and Jon Snow are getting married. I am not weirdly happy. I'm unabashedly joyous. I just don't think he's cool. But like if she likes him, he must like, is he funny or something? (laughs) Girl, have you? I mean, speaking of dead ass. I don't think. Kid Harrington's ass is beautiful. He's attractive. Okay. Anyway, this okay. is a conversation for another day. Where were we? Okay, Santa Claus, check. <laughs> Kit Harrington, check. <laughs> so she's going to marry someone with a J. Now, if you're watching this at this point, you're like, who do we know with a J? <gasps> Jordan? Yeah, Dr. Simon Jordan. Michael Jordan. <laughs> Space Jam! <laughs> Don't even get me started on Space Jam. Ooh, or hopefully it's like Michael B. Jordan, who's like really Ooh, cute. He's Oof. very cute. And I think, honestly, a better person Probably. than Michael Jordan. We're not here to judge Michael Jordan. I am. <laughs> I've heard he's a dick. 
Okay. Because he's an Aquarius. Okay. So anyway, so, so that's kind of, that could potentially foreshadow something. Yes. So then oh. Mary Whitney goes to do hers, but hers keeps breaking. <laughs> Every time she tries, Molly, quit spoiling things. Oh. Okay. With your fake tears. Okay. So she she's trying to cut it and it just keeps breaking. And you can see that she's perturbed. Like she's not okay with this having happened. Grace has a third apple. And she's like, you can have this other apple. And Mary's like, no, no. It's just an old wives tale. Whatever. It doesn't matter. You're probably not going to marry that doctor. JK. She doesn't know anything about that. Oh my God. But then who should show up but another person with a name what begins with J? Ugh. Okay. We're going to have to take a minute because Molly just drenched my couch. Sorry. Hold on. Let me just dry off. <laughs> hold on. Wow. You really. Sorry. You really got in. <laughs> Zachary Levi. Okay. So I didn't know what Zachary Levi looked like. Okay. And now I do. And I am for it. Oh my God. This whole. Like he needs to be in everything. He is attractive. Oof. There's a little bit of a whiff of a musical theater actor about his performance. Don't mix my caramel corn and my my Well, girl, have you ever heard him sing? Probably. Have you watched the movie Tangled? No. Girl, Tangled is amazing, A. And B, even animated, he is fucking fine. Uh, Why did I think he was in Frozen? Because everybody likes Frozen and Frozen's trash. (laughs) Tell us how you really feel. (laughs) Just kidding. Frozen is okay, but I've always been team Tangled. Anyhow, uh, he's in that and he sings fairly decently. And his animated avatar is super cute in in Tangled. Is his name like Flynn? It's Flynn Rider. Okay. Eugene oh, Fitzherbert. Right. I'm like, why do I know this? It's because when we had our discussion about what Disney princes and non-princes we yes. thought were hot. That was such a fun day. It was. Like, I'm really sorry that it's like so far back in our chat history. It's okay. It's okay. So we're introduced to him as Jeremiah, the traveling peddler of fancies. Which is like, you can peddle my travel. Oh, girl. <laughs> Ooh. Well, and all the women love him. But like, and he's yes. not creepy. And he's got that very cute, charming, like flattery way he's like we're all friends here i'm gonna flatter you but like i'm a businessman and it's like fun kind flattering and he he's employed all the children of the town (laughs) who normally just throw rocks at him to play like penny whistles and like sing his theme song basically like he's like john cena and these kids are like like in front of him which is honestly very very nice do you want to know the second so i wrote in my notes last time i wrote about him i put hearts on it and then this one i just wrote in all caps zachary levi bay <laughs> and then underneath it i wrote jeremiah eats pussy jordan doesn't eat pussy. you know what that's a really good point i had had about a glass of rosé and a half when i had watched this that's so great but it's so true it's so true you know i've started i've started organizing male characters in like fiction. does eat pussy does yes. not eat pussy so i'll give you an example jerry seinfeld from seinfeld does not eat pussy kramer yeah. deaf eats pussy like probably too much <laughs> we've already said too much on the subject but george just- does under protest <sighs> i might contest that but i i don't know he really hated his fiance i i don't think george does 
I think he would. George would do it to get out of like a confrontation. <laughs> that's true. Okay, so redheads, that's a fun game to play with yourself. Is when you're when you're watching to play with yourself. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> Good one. Wow, you're a real Margaret Atwood over there. Get it? But anytime you are consuming some media, uh, think about which the characters eat pussy. Uh, yeah, I e the commander does not eat pussy. No. Although did well, old commander old commander probably did. No, I don't think so. Oh, yeah, because it wouldn't be procreative. Yeah, I think that we've seen in Handmaid's Tale, the TV show, that they did have a lot of like very nice, fun, consensual Mm -hmm. sex. Yeah. But I kind of don't think that was on the table. Kind of. I think Nick definitely did and does. Uh, Luke, that's all he does. Luke, I don't know how she got pregnant. (laughs) 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 All right. (laughs) Oh, oh man we're so fun i know <laughs> everybody should want to hang out with us so jeremiah also is a fortune teller oh, so it. he's he's selling everybody oh. buttons like grace is like trying to buy four buttons and he's like quit being a dummy take the fifth button treat yourself yeah <laughs> you know the the cook is there i love the staff yeah me mrs. too mrs alderman parkinson's like the cook is great it's also really funny to me to be watching a period piece where people have like no accent. I mean, like they have Cana- uh, yeah, some yeah. of them have Canadian accents, but like this is like two years before the start of the Civil War. Yeah. So I normally sort of expect people to have a Southern accent right. or like a weird New England accent, it's but also- the Toronto accent is very neutral. Yeah. I like apart that. from saying things like "sorry." <laughs> Yeah, I like that. And I think that's fun. And genuinely, I don't think the U.S. has ever seen a period piece set largely in Canada before. I so don't this think is so exciting. Either, yeah. it's, it's an exciting Unless slice you into their history. Anne of Green Gables. Oh. This is what I love. A, I love a fortune teller who's like kind of coy. Oof. Because he's like, mm, let me look at your hand. And then he's like, oh, dear. Uh-oh. <laughs> so he says to her that you'll cross the water three times and you'll encounter much trouble. But all will be well in the end. Yeah. And so she's like, I'm Irish. (laughs) Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, where am I going to go? I already crossed the water once. Oh, I'm going to go to Steiner Street and take care of a family. (laughs) It's a doubt fire coming back. Just in case you couldn't tell. So the next note I wrote... (laughs) Oh, and, and he tells her that you are one of us, which what does that mean? Uh, I mean, I assume it means like a clairvoyant, like or you think? a clairvoyant or like a like a Romani person or just like a traveler. Interesting. I wonder if we are just put this kernel in your bonnet. Is and- he saying that she eats pussy? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Was he like wiping the side of his mouth as he said it? Because he's that like, would, Grace, Grace, you got a little. You want about a little. She'd <laughs> be like, anyway. Don't, I want you to roast on the idea that maybe he's saying you're one of us, i.e. me, who's kind of a pretender and kind of a, oh. sh- a sh- almost like a shapeshifter personality. Mendacity. Exactly. So I think see. about that. I'm going to roast on that like a beat that you peel when it's done. Boom. The next note I wrote, it says, Mary teaches us that even the coolest chicks are not immune to fuck boys. Well, my next, my next note is Grace gets her period. 
Okay. Because that seems pretty important All to right. me. I because, guess we'll do your thing first. Uh, I'm real interested in like how women dealt with stuff. So you just Ooh. had to have a red petticoat. I know. Like, so that if anything happened, you'd be like, just my red petticoat. <laughs> Nothing to see here. It's just a red petticoat. Did they even give her a pad or yeah, anything? Yeah, so she has a pad. Okay. Put that on, and then she has to borrow Mary's red petticoat. Right. But, like, Grace wakes up screaming bloody murder. And it is scary. Yeah, I mean, I just, like, I was so impatient to get my period. Also, it was, like, 1997. <laughs> uh, I was about to say, like, 2001, and Whoa. I was like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> she get that checked. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just, like, you know, I, I was, like, carrying a purse to seem cool. Whoa. Yeah. That is like, cool. I know. I was like, mm, I got my period. I didn't get my period. You lied about it? I didn't lie about it. I merely did not disabuse anyone of the notion that I didn't get my period. You just gave off the, the air of one that had yeah. bled. I, was- <laughs> I like that. And then they have a uh, a water fight. Like they have some rambunctiousness. And then Mary pretends to be dead. And yeah. Grace flips out. And she sets a healthy boundary. Yeah. She says, don't ever do that again. And Mary Whitney is like, oh, okay. Bothers I won't me. do that. Yeah. Cool. And I'm like, wow, what a healthy relationship. This yeah. is going to last. Oh. What is interesting about the period thing is that it's, again, under your thesis of women's relationship to violence. Mm-hmm. Like, it is a violent, scary thing that men don't have to deal with. I mean, I guess you could argue that men have, like, the phantom limb thing of, like, their penis responding to stuff that they don't understand. What? Fuck you. No, that's not a thing. Like, that's stupid. I was going to give him the benefit. That's not a phantom limb. That's a real limb. I know. But just the idea that, like, some of your body is acting in a way that you don't get. Uh, yeah. But guess what? Blood comes out of me. Our body expels blood and viscera. Like, yours just, you know, splurges out a little bit of protein. Get out of here. So it is a very violent, scary entry into womanhood, which is, heads up, even more violent and scary than that very soon. And and that's almost like that is when things start getting weird. Because after that, now we get on to my fuckboy comment. They talk about how, like, now Grace is a, is a woman and things are going to be different, especially with men. Mm-hmm. And then we see Mary's relationship with the boy of the house. Now, before we get into that, because she's given Grace... All of this instruction Mm -hmm. that, you know, never Mm -hmm. let a man take liberties. If Mm -hmm. he ever promises you anything, you make sure that he marries you first. He he puts a ring on it. Yeah. And Grace is like, okay, this all seems way out of my league. But Mm -hmm. sure, you're my cool big sister and I will do whatever you say. So Mary Whitney, do as Mary Whitney says, not as Mary Whitney does. Because she, (sighs) and it's unclear to me if this was like an ongoing thing. Oh, I think it's... I th- like It's been going on for a while between yeah. her and Mr. George Parkinson, which is what Grace always calls him. So that's mm-hmm. what I will always call him. Yeah, that, as is his name. And <laughs> she always calls him by his full name. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that we're definitely led to believe that it's something that has kind of happened on the sidelines mm-hmm. always. Well, because he and his brother are in the United States mm-hmm. going to college. Mm-hmm. And so he's back for the holidays. Right. So he's back and we get it like... We get a way better sense of what's going on than Grace appears to. My read and my choice Mm -hmm. in this, and we'll get into it, is that she genuinely doesn't know what is going on. I think not either. I 
Grace is such an innocent. So innocent. And I think that she comes by it honestly. Like, I think she's a virgin. Yep. I think that she is very religious and very devout. And that I think she has a sense of justice, which Mm -hmm. causes her problems. Like, she's a good person. Yeah, absolutely. So at this point, I'm of a mind with the reverend. Right. Where I'm like, she's a good person. Yes. You know, we haven't seen anything about these murders, so I can't really speak to what I think about them, apart from the fact that she keeps, like, thinking about them. Right. But, like, it's not clear, like, if that's a thing that she actually witnessed or if it's a thing that she's imagined. Totally. I think you're right as in saying that's all we have to go on at this because point. i mean james mcdermott did publish or you know somebody published after he was hanged this extremely detailed account oh and it's her confession as well mm-hmm. she actually confessed yeah, but but the, under duress yeah, question mark exactly so nobody right. really knows mm-hmm. what to believe mm-hmm. um right so anyway it's christmas Oh, I love a Christmas scene. Girl, this, I love a this, Christmas scene. This is a good Christmas scene. Oh, yes. Like on a scale of what's your favorite Christmas scene? Oh, God. It's got to be either like we talked about Little House in the Big Woods or first a Harry Potter Christmas scene. Oh, that's a good one. Every Harry Potter Christmas. Harry Potter did amazing. do Christmas really well. I think mine is I just reread Little Women and that one has fallen down the scale a bit. I know for me. I'm romanticizing it a lot, but I think you're right. It's not as good. I want to say it is the on the banks of Plum Creek Christmas scene. Ooh, um, but Little House on the Prairie, the whole series, top notch Christmases. Okay, so let's say from there to like the trash abusive Christmas scene in say Perks of Being a Wallflower. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> in the low end of the spectrum, Alias Grace is more towards the, the Little House on the Prairie Christmas scene. Once again, I have not closed my mouth. Oh come on! What were you? What else were you thinking for low end of the spectrum? I was just thinking of like you know, no incidents of Christmas. Like Even those oh, are pretty good. We don't celebrate Christmas. Well, I don't read books where they don't celebrate Christmas. <laughs> That is a weird kink. Not true. <laughs> anyway, it's a pretty good Christmas scene. And I think w- I want you to think about this as sort of a analogous episode to the, what we're going to see in the next in the next episode with the summer spent at the Kinnears. Okay. Okay. Think about that. I When we get there. <laughs> now, but okay. later I might. Put a pin in it. So Grace gives Mary a needle case oh. and uh, and like Mary like loses her shit. Oh. She thinks it's just like the nicest thing. I love these like secret handmade gifts where people are like, oh, oh my God, we're like soups, like planning this whole thing. And then Mary gives Grace a handkerchief that used to be her mother's handkerchief. And Grace is like, I can't take this from you. But Mary is like, you're like my family. Like you're so close to me. I really want you to have this. So she takes it. And Love it's very, it. very sweet. However, when <laughs> when they're serving the family at their Christmas dinner, Mrs. Alderman Parkinson is nobody's dang fool. Mm-mm. And she sees there's some weird energy happening mm-hmm. between George and Mary. Or this has been going on and she's yeah. like... Okay, this happens every year. Textbook I fucking Yeah. So she's like, Mary... Uh, get out of here. <laughs> Go do a different thing. <laughs> and so she does because she's the boss. 
And this is a classic example of what I think is Mrs. Alderman Parkinson's flaw and flaw of women sometimes is she's punishing the woman for a act that a woman and a man do together. I would argue (laughs) that she is attempting to protect her. She is, but she's not saying to George, leave her the fuck alone. Okay, that's true, but she's also not like she's not saying anything to mary she's just trying to steer her out of his sphere but she's still moving mary when she could move george she could be like george hang out at the summer house for a little while george go back to school you layabout true however also we don't really see their interactions outside of what grace herself has witnessed okay i don't I want to revisit this for episode three because this okay. comes up again. In okay, we can three. revisit this in episode three. But I also now I'm curious, like, do we ever see anything in Grace's flashbacks that are outside of Grace's direct experience that we know of? No. Okay. No, because we don't see like Mary Whitney like in bed with Thank George God. Parkinson. That would I would have been traumatized. Yeah, because he is not cute. Eh, he's not cute. He is not cute. So he's well, cuter in like real life, but. <laughs> He has a very unfortunate period beard. Oh. Speaking of periods or lack thereof. <laughs> so, wait, wait, wait. There's figgy pudding. Oh, God. We're, we're missing the tail end of the great Christmas scene. Okay. So all the servants are literally singing, now bring us uh, the figgy pudding. Now, and they bring them figgy pudding. It's the first time that's ever worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and they get a nice ass servant's Christmas. Yeah. Like, trust me, I spent... A lot of years covering a lot of Downton Abbey Christmas <laughs> specials. This was a fucking spread. It's a banger. Yeah. I love it. Now can I talk about Mary Whitney's unfortunate pregnancy? Um, yes, you may. Great. So she's being real crabby and upset. Well, and George has stayed on after Christmas because he caught a chill <laughs> of the dick. <laughs> so the a affair. Chill of the dick, sir. Oh, you got a chill of the dick. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I should have oh, stayed always after me, chill the dick. <laughs> God damn it. You just got to it faster than I did. <laughs> so Mary Whitney is crabby and she's like being standoffish with Grace, blah, blah, blah. Then she does something for which she should win a vomit Emmy. <laughs> slash made me very uncomfortable. You mean a vomit? A vomit. <laughs> One of my triggers is I really don't like seeing vomit on TV, I don't like people gagging. It really bothers me. Oh, so, dear. This was This hard. is not the show for you, my friend. It was real bad. <laughs> so I had to take a knee, but also recognize that that was really good vom acting. Where did she vom? Oh, I don't remember. Do, is it, are you going to vom? No, I was getting a little, I was getting a little uncomfortable just talking about it now, but I'm power th- going to power. Okay. Through. I just like, please don't vom in my house. <sighs> I would never. <laughs> You might. Would never. I will try my best not to. So yeah, so she's pregnant and... Well, and Grace figures it out very quickly, which surprised me because, you know, as I said, she's very innocent. However, she has had a hard childhood and she says, you know, she saw her mother in this condition so many times. Right. And, you know, Mary Whitney is beside herself. Mm -hmm. There's nothing really to be done. They're trying to figure out 
what they can do. You know, Grace is like, can you go somewhere and have it quietly and give the baby away? And just, there doesn't seem to be an answer. And in the meantime, while this is happening, like George is like courting some other girl, you know, some, you know, non-servant girl. And they're like going ice skating and shit. And so Mary is very upset by all of this. And not only that, she kind of followed her rule a little bit because he gave her a ring. He did give her a ring. And promised to marry her and then just really reneged on it. Yeah. So it's just terribly unfortunate. And they come to the conclusion that she has to have an abortion. And Mrs. Honey, who is the cook, yes, yeah. she's noticed that Mary's putting on weight. She's coming out of their bedroom and saying to Grace, like, oh, Mary's going to eat us out of house and home, which is what happens when you're pregnant as you're building a human mm-hmm. in your 3D printer in your womb. <laughs> you have to eat a lot more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Grace is just like, oh, dear. Mary comes in after that. She has gone to talk to Mr. George Parkinson and he gave her five dollars. He gave her five bucks. Now, granted, that's a lot of money in that time. Yes. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. I mean, it's never enough. It's just never enough. So they have to go. And I think there's a point where they say, like, do you, you know, I want us to think about this when we're talking about abortion specifically is look at these women. This woman would risk death rather than give birth to a baby. She would what does rather, that tell yeah. you about the fucking joyride that certain people f- imagine abortions to be? Well, yeah. And like also like think about how terrible the consequences are for her if she has the baby. And, you know, and Grace says this later, but I'll bring it up now. You know, she thinks abortion is immoral. She doesn't agree with it. But her view of the situation, you know, she's mm-hmm. like, I won't speak ill of Mary because I thought one corpse that way or to the other. Totally. And it's not untrue. Because this is not Downton Abbey, which is Julian Fellow's fever dream about <laughs> how rich people are nice, where the, you know, the girl who gets turned out for getting mm-hmm. pregnant out of wedlock, everything turns out fine. Like, <laughs> Mary's going to get turned out of the house. She's not going to be able to have a reference. She's not going to, you know, nothing is going to happen that's good for her. Go to a workhouse, which some would rather die. And if they'd rather die, they better do it and decrease the surplus population. And that is essentially what Mary says, because she says that women who deliver in a workhouse take infection, they die, and then they kill the baby. Yeah. So it's like, how is that any less cruel than aborting cells inside your body yeah and i mean you know what like i don't know even if you think that a baby has a soul from conception like mm-hmm. you know so many people who are anti-abortion are like pro-war and pro-death penalty <laughs> and i'm just like i don't understand you well but it also it makes me really sad because i was watching different episodes of this and thinking like oh i want to tell my mom about this this is a really good show but i can't I can't ever recommend her anything that has an abortion in it. This would bother her so much. This is a woman who hates the movie Fame because there's an abortion. This is a woman who didn't like the song. I can't even remember what song it was. There was some song that she'd... Oh, oh, Brick. No, it was Jewel, You Were Meant For Me. She didn't like it. Hold on. I see your face. I understand. She didn't like it. I said this to my friend's mother and my friend's mother goes, why doesn't she like it? 
Does it have an abortion in it or something? Yeah. Like, this is like a personality trait. Oh, I thought her. you were leading up to that song is secretly about abortion. No, no. Yeah, it's about the fetus. <laughs> Babies aren't alive at conception. <laughs> I don't believe that that's true. <laughs> I'm pro choice. You should be pro choice too. Because that part I get. That's like my favorite thing that's ever happened. <laughs> oh my God. So I also want to address I mean, look at the squalor that she has to go to to get an abortion. Oh my God. And it's this back room where she's awake. She's awake. The second they get there, the guy is like, oh my God, quit standing there. Come inside. He takes her dry. In- he take- no, he takes her dry. He also is like, if you tell anybody about this, I'll deny it. So and he's clearly like a well-to-do doctor, ugh. like who charges. You know, they say is he charges prostitutes mm-hmm. a ton of money to yeah. get rid of babies or and, get an abortion. Well, and Grace has to loan her entire savings to Mary <sighs> to cover the abortion, and like you hear her motherfucking screaming. Ugh. And when she describes it later, I mean, she's very graphic. She's like, they put a knife inside my body. And cut something out. So who knows what that is? They cut something too hard, obviously, as if there was a little amount of cutting that they could do inside your body that'd be fine. Yeah. And it's just, it made me furious. I think this, when I watched this, I I guess this is, this is my point about why it upsets me that I can't be like, Hey mom, watch this because as soon as they start talking about it, she'll shut down. Mm. And what she as far as I can tell, refuses mm-hmm. to acknowledge is this is not a black and white situation. Right. This is not you being 19 and having to drop out of college with a family that supports you. Like, right. Oh, I see. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's like, because I didn't do this, everybody else who does it is wrong. Oh, and yeah. I in see addition, that. it's like, look at what it was. Well, look at what it was. And then, cause my family's anti-birth control mm-hmm. as well. So it's like, come and fucking look me in the face. Yeah. Well, I th- I had that same kind of reaction, too, even though, you know, my family is relatively pro-choice. My mom has a weird block about abortion, but that's not neither here nor there. Yeah. But what I what makes me furious is this, whether they'll admit it or not, this is what people who are against abortion want us to go back they to. They want us to go because back to this. abortions aren't going to stop. Women have okay, needed abortions for years say, and years. They will say they don't want to go back to this. They want a society where people only have sex with somebody they're married to and when they want to have children. And if you don't want to have kids, don't have sex. And that has never happened in the history of the earth. But what they think is that it can. Yeah. And it that can. it should. It can't. Well, and again, <laughs> I find this so hilarious that my parents are so pro-life, anti-abortion, whatever you yeah. want to call it, dumb. Because they want everybody else to do what they themselves couldn't do what stop having sex when they when it was yeah bad to do yeah yeah like well how dare you so yeah so anybody who supports pro-life anti-abortion legislation you are driving us back this way where it's dirty and black market and every time you make it harder for this to happen in a clean and safe and cost-effective environment you're powering mary whitney's and yeah. that's true. And as we see, she suffers incredibly well, and she much. she told Grace to leave. 
Yeah. I don't know how the fuck she thought she was going to get home. Please. She's not a fake friend. And also, I have to say, I think it's at this point, I was supposed to go meet somebody <laughs> and I had a text her and be like, I'm running late because I'm watching. Well, I didn't tell her until I was like, listen, I was like watching this like abortion happen. And I was like, I don't want the fallout from this waiting for me when I get <laughs> home. Like, I just want to like get through this. So Mary comes out and she's just beside herself and and they go back and oh my god and and mary is just so ill she's so sick she's bleeding she's bleeding she's suffering from she massive said blood that loss. the doctor told her that there would be pain and bleeding she's gonna just try to pa- there's nowhere do they can go they yeah. can't go to a respectable doctor Mm-mm. they don't have the money for it and you know Mary obviously cannot go to the staff or Mrs. Alderman Parkinson Mm -hmm. because they would, you know, she doesn't know what they would do, but the implications of what they would do are not good. Yeah. So Grace tries to give her a like sort of mice and men, like think about the rabbits talk when she tells her. And they they recite the the William Lyons McKenzie speech. Do you love freedom? Do you hate oppression? And so on. Which is, like, horribly ironic. Yeah. Well, it's the idea in the quote I underlined is the peasants are beginning to open their eyes and feel their strength. So potentially, we should view this as Grace's eyes being opened to the damage that can be done to men of women of her ilk Mm -hmm. and how society cares not. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a way it's a rebellion forming within grace, which is maybe why she goes off a little bit when Mary dies. A little bit. A lot of it. Let's get to here. So the next morning, Mary is dead. Grace has. If I get a little verklempt. Oh, I know. Because this was such a beautiful and fully realized female friendship. And in the space of like an hour, it's gone. And totally. so Grace fell asleep kneeling at Mary's bedside and wakes up on the floor. Ugh. She tries to get her up and she won't. And, you know, somebody comes in. Um, I forget if it's Mrs. Honey, but, you know, somebody's yelling and like, where are you? You know, why aren't you doing your work? And they find that Mary's dead. They pull the covers down and just the whole bed is soaked in blood. I mean, we're not talking you leaked through your nighttime pad. We're talking... Mm-hmm hemorrhage it's horrible it is heinous one of the servants comes in everybody very quickly hips to what happened one Mm. of them is a bitch and she's like it's a sin and blah 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 and like the other two are like you need to cool it yeah like we need to get her cleaned up right and get her out of here so they all kind of get into motion grace is pretty like catatonic yeah at this point like she's just totally you know, she's in shock mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I don't know that she even let herself consider this was a possibility. Oh, like, well, it's just if you are so buoyant on that happiness of your friendship, mm-hmm. why would that happen to you? Well, but also, I mean, I just think, you know, there was some part of her that knew it might happen, but she just couldn't go there in sure. her mind. I don't believe that you'll ever die. Uh, yeah, because I won't. Good. Because I'm a Scorpio. Good, don't. I'm not Scorpios even mad. Scorpios never die. We're just reincarnated as worse Scorpios. Phew. <laughs> 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 That's lovely. So then we get Grace's vision or Mary's ghostly resurrection. Mary or fucking what? straight up blinks and it was so scary. 
I'm getting a little scared just talking. It was so <laughs> frightening. And Grace all of a sudden flips out because she hears a voice saying, let me in, which is very confusing to her. Yeah. Because she's like, oh my God, I got to let her out. So she opens the window. The other right. servants are like, what the shit are you doing? Yeah. And she's just remembering what the Catholic lady on the boat told her about her mom. Right. And she says, oh, like she like pawns it off like, oh, it's the smell. Which, yeah, that's something <laughs> that be. I didn't even think about until that point. It's like you got dead body, got you got blood. blood, you got probably poops. Yeah. Just not not a good situation. No. I mean, I, and it didn't smell great to begin with, I'm sure. No. <laughs> oh, wait, hang on. That happens later because be, so Mrs. Alderman Parkinson sent for her and she was like, so do you know who the man was that did this? Meaning uh, who got her pregnant. And Grace just says, you know, I don't know who it was. It was a gentleman. Mm-hmm. You know, he said he meant to marry her and mm-hmm. then went back on his word. And Grace, everything Grace says confirms to Mrs. Alderman Parkinson that it was her son. Yeah. But, MAP is hip to the job. Yeah. But Grace is still like, I have no fucking clue. You don't think so? I don't think so. I think so. I don't think that she knows. I don't think that she knows at this point. I think she does because Mary tells her who she was talking to. Cause she did she say that it was? I don't think that they ever like specified who it was. Mm, okay, I'd have to go back and watch it again, but I'm pretty sure that just Mary was like, "I'm going to go talk to this guy." Okay, sure. Listen, the internet will correct us. <laughs> they always do. So anyway, so after that, that's when Grace opens the window. Okay, and or then maybe that's a flash. I don't know. Goes it's crazy. Don't mind. Well, so she faints while she's washing the blood out of Mary's clothes. They can't wake her up. They put her in bed, which is the bed she shared with Mary, Mm -hmm. i.e. the bed that Mary just freaking died in. Mm -hmm. And then Grace gets up and she starts speaking in an American, well, in a Canadian accent as Mary, essentially. Oh, you think that's, oh, God. Oh, I'm wrecked. I didn't get that. Oh, yeah. Because she's like, where's Grace? Where's Grace? And, you know, she's she's very agitated. The, oh, the woman who's me. sitting there with her, whichever one of the servants is there, is like, your grace, like Mary died. And she's like, no, 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 no. That what? That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And so very unclear what's happening here. Oof. Because it's like when Mary said, let me in, did she mean let me into your body? <laughs> like, don't think let me of that. That's die. so like, scary. Oh, my or, God. Or is Grace just suffering from a complete psychotic break? Shit. Like, has she just had a complete psychotic break and her <laughs> brain's defense mechanism is to black out and be Mary Whitney? Fuck. If that's true. So the anatomy of a blackout, <laughs> the things you learn in rehab, <laughs> when you blackout, your brain continues to function normally. You mm-hmm. simply cannot make new memories. So you will be acting exactly the way that you would act. Mm-hmm. Your brain just doesn't have a record of it. Oh my God. So I don't know what, like what the diagnosis of this would be, Jeez. but I think it is medically possible <sighs> that she could have a psychic break project, you know, inside of her head that she is right. Mary Whitney Ugh. and have blacked out and not remember any of that. So Yikes. that is a possibility of what's happening here. Man, but I think nobody, that's a good reading. I mean, nobody understands what is happening. She flies around for a little bit and then just passes out again. When she wakes up, she has no memory of any of that happening. 
the last thing she remembers is washing the blood out of the clothes. Yikes. Man, that is a nuanced reading. Thank you for that. (sighs) You're welcome. That was really good and very scary, and I'm very scared. Yeah, I mean, look, this is, I mean, let us not be mistaken. This is a horror story. Totally. This is a terrifying Halloween-y story. (laughs) Like, just because it's not airing in the U.S. until November doesn't mean this isn't a scary fucking tale of murder in the supernatural. Because I I have a lot of theories, which I won't discuss at length, but like, I know, and I'm so excited (laughs) to talk about them because it gets even deeper, like... It's well. It's that, again. It's that that concept of superstition and mm-hmm. fortune telling, and these premonitions that these women have. Mary Whitney is dead, mm-hmm. and her death was foretold by that apple. Oh, I'm so scared now. Why are you tell me this before I have to walk home? <laughs> well, because you watched it already. I know, but it wasn't scary till I Listen, thought about it. Ass woman, just don't walk past the liquor store, and you'll be fine. How? Am I- <sighs> we'll take this offline. <laughs> um. Anything else to talk about? Yes. So Grace goes through Mary's things. I forget what happens with that. I think she finds the ring. Yeah. She oh, finds, which becomes important next episode. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, just, you know, she and Mary told her before she went in, she said if she wrote on a piece of paper, which is the idea of language mm-hmm. and the power that language and the power that written language has. Right. Because the story the world believes is Grace's confession that was written down. Mm-hmm. You know, Dr. Jordan is constantly making these notes oh. and that is what he will use to write his report. Whether his notes bear much resemblance to what Grace actually told him. That's so interesting. At any rate, Mary Whitney wrote down, you know, I will all of my possessions to Grace Marks. So Grace inherits all of Mary's possessions. And it's just devastating. And I mean, that's that's enough. That's enough of an episode. Thank God it ends there. Man, you were not wrong when you began this talk before we started recording. You go, boy, this episode is rough and ski. Yeah, it is rough and ski. <laughs> it is rough and ski. So boy, uh, we flash back to the present. Right. Where Dr. Jordan is interviewing Grace. Man, I miss when we were talking about butts this episode. Listen, we're going to get back to butts. Okay. The next episode is a lighthearted romp compared to this. <laughs> I mean, it's still Margaret Atwood. <laughs> I was I was thinking about that today. I'm like, I wonder if Margaret Atwood ever wants to just like write a fun like farce that's not even true because a lot of her novels are farcical but you know just like a funsies just like a silly like the movie i'm thinking of is that oh what was that movie that like renee zellweck down with love uh, (laughs) with the dumbass movie like a 60s sex romp yeah anyway mag yats at me on twitter we'll discuss this concept that I have for you. May I also propose... It's, it's, no, it's like... This is like my version of Emos's mm-hmm. puppy in a cupcake in a bathtub. Miss mm-hmm. Lydia, the governor's daughter, comes in <laughs> third wheeling and Oof. like Simon is like, bitch, please, which is unfortunate because she's clearly like, hey. Thirsty. Hey, fuck boy. Here. Fuck boy, fuck boy, fuck boy. <laughs> Good boy, good fuck boy. JK, there's no such thing as a good fuck boy. <laughs> the only good fuck boy is a, a dead, dead fuck, fuck boy. boy. See, women casually talk about <laughs> violence and we don't mean it. So then Grace has a monologue that's just her internal monologue 
And again, one of the reviews that I read was like, it's unclear like when she's speaking to herself and when she's speaking to the doctor. I have not had that experience. No. I found it to be relatively cut and dry when she's speaking to him and when she's not. Because when she's not speaking to him in reality, she calls him doctor. Ah, that's true. And when she is speaking to him, she says sir. Ooh, that's a great marker. Um, I think that's correct. It's also like if you don't see her mouth moving, she's not talking to him. (laughs) To a degree. Good I mean, like some of, of it's, some of it's like voiceover, but it's like, I really believe that Mary Heron does a good job of signaling mm-hmm. the difference. Yeah, I And agree. I mean, yeah. you know, there's a sense in which it kind of all washes over you. And in that sense, it's tough to follow. So and I don't know if it's because I've read the book and I have like some bearings mm-hmm. about what she's saying. But anyway, that's just my take on it. Wow. But this monologue has a beautiful line, and I believe this is the last line. You want to hold my beating female heart, which ties back to my sort of final thought on the last episode about like women are not puzzles and like our hearts are not the Mm -hmm. prize. You can't. I there's a part of me that believes in the way that we were talking about, like, what are men? Mm-hmm. we're never going to understand it. Yeah. And I think women are content with that in a way that men are not. Yeah. Men don't understand women and they find that very frustrating as the architects of the world as we yeah. know it. Whereas women are like, ah, we haven't known about a bunch of shit. And honestly, <laughs> sometimes it's better that way. Yeah. But it's like, I don't need to understand a man yeah. to be like, you need to treat me like a human being. Yeah. You know? I don't, I don't to need to like, understand why you're deficient. Women don't go like, listen, I get it. I have a father. I have brothers. Oh, yeah. I have an uncle. <laughs> the same way that men are like, I have a daughter. I will sometimes say that about like, I can like get along with men and like bro out because I have three brothers. Yeah. But like, that's different. I say it in the context of like any kind of sibling I had, I would act this way. <laughs> <laughs> we were dicks. You got to be helpful. Uh, <laughs> All right. Any any final thoughts? I loved this episode. Not on. Uh, I, I liked mean, this episode. I too. loved it. I think I probably loved it more than you. I think I have a higher tolerance. Oh no! I for loved the horrific. It. It just hurt my body. <laughs> no, it was it was difficult to watch. Yeah, and I want to say it was one of the most graphic depictions of an abortion gone wrong I've ever seen. It's pretty bad. It's it's pretty bad. It's graphic. There's no Jerry Orbach coming in to save her yeah and you know blaming patrick swayze for things Mm -hmm. there's no dance at the end no dance no dance zero dancing yes well until next episode (laughs) (laughs) but um i want to leave on a uplifting bit of redhead uh news is while we were podcasting i got a note from our facebook page from mandy helton uh, Ma- I love Mandy Helton. Mandy Helton and her girlfriends went out and did pub trivia tonight in Colorado. They didn't win, but they named their team Team Shannon's Half Birthday. Oh, my God. That's so great. So thank you guys for sharing that with us. You didn't know it, but we were recording some real rough stuff. And we really <laughs> we appreciate that uh, that help. So, oh, Mandy, wow. if you're a, congrats. If you're a new listener who just found us for Alias Grace, they don't even know about Shannon. Oh, what a treasure. We don't have time to get into Shannon. You'll know her and you'll love her. You will know her by the smell of her peppercrisps. (laughs) All right. And as always, Nolite te bastardes carborundorum. Dum, 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 dum. Dum, 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 dum. Dum, 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 dum. Dum, 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 dum,
Monster Mash. Yeah. You get it. <laughs> you get it. Halloween.